Hello and welcome back to Two Bar Stools and a Knife, talking about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. From FIU Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management and the Bacardi Center of Excellence, I'm Professor Nathan Dodge, joined by Chef John Noble Massey and veteran backup host, Jeremy Houghton. Hi, gentlemen. How's it going? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, how about you, my friend? Excellent, excellent. So our boy Brian Connors is on his honeymoon and won't be able to join us. Yeah. Uh, you know that that kid takes more vacation time than anyone I know. So I I propose that we and change the name of the show to uh, One Bar Stool, One Knife, and Someone Else. If that's cool with you guys, <laughs> I, I'm all for it. I wish I would have known uh, where he was staying because I would love to send a few uh, funny gifts at about three o'clock in the morning to him out there in California. But. Yeah, at least have there. someone knock on the door, you know. Exactly, you know, just to interrupt, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure they're just in there talking about the hospitality industry and yes. FIU and wine, wine and. Uh-huh. No, I saw yesterday they were at the uh, French Laundry, so I am a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. So, but um, we're you talking know, about food today. We're talking about restaurants. I'm sorry. What would you say, John? I said I have passed by that restaurant, you know, on my way to somewhere else, but I have not yet dined there. So I am likewise jealous. Very jealous. But we're talking about food and we're talking about restaurants today. We because Brian's not on, I'm not going to do the Bacardi update because I know that I will ruin it. So let's just jump in with our conversation today. Uh, Johnny Boy, do you want to do the introductions? It would be my pleasure. So. We have with us a premier restaurateur for the uh, state of Pennsylvania, uh, the King of Latrobe, who is uh, a past president of the Pennsylvania Restaurant Association, uh, restaurant owner for the past 30 years, and I've known him 35 years. And he's also, and most importantly, he's also an alum of both the Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park, and he's an alum of our Chaplain School of Hospitality and Management. So please join me, gentlemen, in welcoming Joey DeSalvo. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. I just want to take a moment just to say, just to be a proud alum, but, uh, you know, fellow FIU Panther. So it's thank you so much. Uh, to have me on your great show. Uh, And John, it it is true, uh, over 35 years knowing each other, we met uh, at our humble beginnings at uh, the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park uh, around 1983. Oh, wow. You guys were just kids then. Jesus, that was a long time ago. That was, that was. Even John... Uh, even though John looks a little older than me, I'm two years older than him, or three years older. Than him. <laughs> Ooh. you know, this is this is going to be a very entertaining 45 minutes, gentlemen. So we, we are wait. looking for, yes, we're looking forward to chatting with Joey. Joey, why, why don't you tell tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, how you got your start, and what where you're at, and what you're doing right now, if you could. Absolutely. In fact, John, again, thank you, gentlemen, for your gifts of time to have me on the, the great show and, and the great show of FIU. And I have to tell you, really humble beginnings. Uh, I'm a, I'm a first-generation born, uh, 
Italian in America, the, the wonderful country we live in, by two immigrant parents from the Abruzzo region of Italy. And both John and I have something very much in common with having two iconic fathers in the culinary world, John's father in baking and my father in, in the kitchen uh, at an early age. In fact, uh, uh, my father started a, a cute story. He started in uh, uh, the, both my mom and dad are from the Abruzzo region, which is central Italy, first and foremost of Italy, for those that don't know the uh, regions of Italy, east of Rome. And uh, my grandfather uh, was a tailor. And he taught my father how to make the suit by the humble age of 16 when my dad, during the war, and when there was no food and just during challenge times of World War II, and he sent my father to study fashion in Rome. And who'd ever think just to survive and eat, my father took a side job washing dishes in the kitchen of some Roman restaurant in Rome. And here it is, uh, he, he, he stuck to the kitchen. Then in 1957 came to this country, and in 1960, met my mother on a streetcar in Pittsburgh. And they were only 20 minutes away in hometown uh, from Abruzzo, Italy. So they met in Pittsburgh. So it was a, quite a story. So being a, um, a Pittsburgher born and raised and uh, with an, uh, an Italian family of chefs, my, my father, Gaetano De Salvo, my uncle Mario, his brother of uh, younger of two years and also my mother and it was a recipe for success uh, and when they came to this country they worked very hard till they were able to afford in 1969 they opened the salvo's restaurant in the oakland section of pittsburgh so from really it's almost 51 years that my family's been in business and as john stated earlier uh 30 to now soon to be 31 years in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, owning uh, a historic landmark at the Salvo Station Restaurant, which is actually uh, a 1903 train station of the historic town of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And John, you mentioned I am not the king of Latrobe. That's Arnold Palmer. You met. Oh, the king of Latrobe. <laughs> so, I thought it was Mr. Rogers. I, you well, know, you I, aren't they both from there? Yeah, you got exactly, John. You got Mr. Rogers, you got Arnold Palmer, and you also <laughs> you, you have uh, uh, the famous beer that once was Rolling Rock Rolling Beer. Rolling Rock Beer. Mount That's what I was thinking of when I thought of Latrobe. Yeah, so here you go. Whoever thought, you know, that uh, – in fact, I have a cute story within the story. We started in, in 1969 in the Latrobe's uh, – in the Oakland section of Pittsburgh, and who do you think was one of my father and mother's – first customers was Fred Rogers because his studio that he taped his first shows was in all the shows were in, in the Oakland section of Pittsburgh. So, uh, in 1974, my father was asked by Fred Rogers that he has an episode with Fred Rogers on the TV oh, wow. show. Wow. But who, ever think, who would ever think <laughs> 30, 40 years later that we would have a restaurant in Latrobe in Fred's hometown. So that's cute it. Story. Fabulous. But Love pretty that. much just to tell you, raised in the in, in my family's restaurant business, uh, uh, blessed to have industry mentors like John and I have that our families guided us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always say it's like being the son of Michael Jordan playing on the on the bench watching uh, basketball at an early age, but in the culinary world, uh, working in the, our restaurant, uh, being mentored and tutored by many of the, my dad's colleagues across the country. They mentored me and they told me, Joey, you have to go to the Culinary Institute of America. And then another great school, uh, Florida International, get your bachelor's in hospitality management. And there you go, gra graduated um, 
1985 from the CIA, then graduated from FIU in 1987. Wow. So that awesome. tells you a little bit about the history of why and where uh, the school. Joey, again, great along Joey, to what, yes. with, with those two degrees, with those two degrees, right? So, and, and we have a lot of our students here. How, how did they, how did getting both of those shape your career and what you're, what you're doing and what, you, what you, you're, how you're managing your business now? In regards to, to my upbringing, it was, I mean, uh, it, it was, uh, and, and, and to be humble and to say that it was a polishing of a diamond to, to go to the best schools, to have the credentials from the CIA and, and coupled with Florida International really was, you know, they, all, they always say you need a piece of paper, but that's not really true um, because you have to work hard. It's the student that goes into the university. It's the student that comes out of the university. It's the student that makes the difference. But being blessed to have a great foundation in my, in my sense and then going through these top schools and really working hard and even humble to say that I was homesick during all those times and <laughs> two years in New York, two years in Miami because I was raised by my Italian grandmother, missed her very much. So it built character. It built a lot of uh, tenacity. And, and, and again, polishing a diamond like it, it has done to many of the great alums at FIU, uh, having a good person go through a good school is only the, the reason for success. That's pretty amazing. awesome. Hey, Joey, so um, let's talk about uh, the Salva Station right now. So it's an award-winning independent restaurant. Um, really, what's the difference between yourself and the chains, um, both with the type of service you're offering, but also how has COVID affected you guys? Well, I'll answer your first question. Um, being, and I can answer that, being the president of the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association back in 1989, I'm sorry, 1999, um, uh, it, 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 it was, you know, it gave me a chance to work with the small mom and pops all the way to the independents and fine dining to casual dining. And, you know, you, 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 in, in a leadership position in the association, you really work for the common goal, whether it be local politics, whether it be, you know, tax issues, whatever, drink taxes. And, but as, as far as, um, you, I guess your key question is what, what's the difference between the two? I mean, the difference is that the chains are set up in the way that, their, their success has been through multiplication and standardization and, and, and being consistently good at what they do. A plus B equals C. Independent restaurateurs are, are not that advantaged to have the resources sometimes or the possibility uh, to uh, uh, standardize all, all their uh, recipes and all their success stories like a chain camp. But when decisions need to be made, independents can act quickly and responsibly to, to what's going on in their own business. Henceforth, leading into COVID, COVID's been a international challenge. Uh, to me, and giving you the current state of affairs, the Salvo Station is a multi-operating type of facility. We have an upscale gourmet restaurant banquet facility, cigar bar, um, then our general regular dinner menu for everybody. Because within the Salvo Station, we have our gourmet restaurant called Prima Classe. It's a 50-seat uh, gourmet restaurant, reservation only, dress code only open on weekends. So COVID has caused the Salvo Station up until today, October of, two, of 20, 
20th day of October here, uh, still closed on the a la carte aspect, trying to save any banquet business due to our um, local, our state government, and every state has a different governor that runs the state differently, but trying to watch in the pandemic and all the medical aspects, the social distancing, and, and what we call today the new norm, we have been shut down as a restaurant and trying to just save whatever banquets and weddings, because we're a large banquet facility, we're 16,000 square foot feet uh, in a small wow. town. So to, if I'm answering your question without fumbling here, we're just surviving to try to keep our banquets from not canceling and rebooking into the future. A la carte, we've took a stance to wait till all this, the dust clears till we get some formality here and some, some uh, you know, our, our feet on the ground. And that's what it's done today. In addition to, at least in our state of Pennsylvania, it's been very devastating to myself and all my colleagues. It's really tough for everybody right now. So good luck. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's such a great big facility there, Joey. Um, you also mentioned that um, you opened a cigar lounge with there. Um, how was that? changed your business having that cigar lounge and what made you move in that direction well great great uh great question first of all it we've been that's the second company that i own in addition to disalvo station i have joey d's fine cigars which is a retail and wholesale uh business i started 27 years ago within the 30 years that we've been in latrobe and we just we had we gave the customers what they wanted being that I'm blessed to have a high-end clientele, we had a few of our key customers that wanted to have cigars. And at the time, if you recall, at least in our state, in 2008 is when the smoking ban took effect. So prior to 2008, um, you, we had smoking and non-smoking sections like we all did, I think, across the, the country in different cities. Again, every city and every state has different, different laws and, reg, and regs. But up until then, we allowed cigar smoking in different sections, and specifically in the second, uh, in the well, what we call the lower level of our restaurant, which is like call it the basement for easier terms, was where they used to store the coal for the train station of 1903. Henceforth, what a perfect setting, cavernous brick arch aqueducts, uh, sandstone walls, um, uh, 3,000 square foot setting of just, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but who would ever think coal and cigars would be coming back together when we took over uh, 27 years ago, selling cigars because of the customer's wants, basically was another skew, another product on the shelf for us to sell to our customers after a great dining experience, building the check average, after a gourmet dinner of $100 a person, hypothetically, you could go downstairs into the cigar bar, Joey D's Sala da Fumo, which means smoke room in Italian, and have a great cognac, an after-dinner drink, enjoy the company of the friends you were with, uh, and smoke your cigar, whether you wanted to partake or not, and uh, just extend the evening. So it was just a great place to retire to. And then little by little, the way as business goes, I started to grow the cigar purchases and started to really divulge myself into the cigar industry. And uh, uh, I buy from every tobacco growing country in the world now, and I'm a distributor for all of them as well. And um, I wholesale to all other colleagues that want to sell cigars, whether it be country clubs, other tobacco stores, beer distributors, and I grew it into another business. Henceforth, that would be my second uh, company that spurred from DeSalvo Station. 
That's a great idea. Just being able to keep, to do something different, increase revenue. Like you said, have another skew on the menu um, just to make more money. So it, it's, it makes perfect sense. Um, however, you're planning on increasing your business. So good, good for you on that one. It was another model. That's fantastic. It was another way another revenue source. And, and, and what came of it, uh, another thing spurred in my life that's been monumental is that we started to do being that just like all of us, great uh, alums and, 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 and have the knowledge of food, wine, cigars. I started to have my own little radio and TV show back 25 years ago, and we named it uh, Taste the Good Life. And from there, what happened was Taste the Good Life grew into another segment of the umbrella and we created a charitable arm and today 27 years later i hold the largest biennial food wine and cigar event in the state of pennsylvania raising money for local charities so again one thing led to another the networking of the restaurant association it all worked for me it all came together and being that i'm a one-man band with a supporting cast um it just all worked. It's the synergistic approach of the food, the wine, the, the, the promotional aspect of it with TV and radio, the charitable aspect. And then lastly, in 2010, uh, after I um, uh, finished my stint with the Restaurant Association, still on the executive committee and board, uh, was chairman of the board of Distinguished Restaurants of North America, better known today as Dorona, which are the top eight to 900 restaurants in North America. Canada, America, and Mexico, which took me to another level of exposing my cigars and the growth in the beginning of my wine importing company called Good Life Wine and Spirits. So <laughs> that kind of summarizes the, the evolution of the restaurant industry and how we took it to several different levels and several different paths to generate different business opportunities that have been, thank God, uh, um, very successful, all with the humble beginnings of CIA and FIU and a great family foundation. Hey, Joey, That's I know awesome. that John has some more questions about that taste of good life events. <laughs> I had a follow up though about cigars. So yeah, I was yeah. big, used to be a big cigar smoker. Um, late nineties, there was kind of a change as far as cigar trends. Um, cigar aficionado was huge. Um, when you read cigar aficionado, cigar was the big word. Aficionado was little. Change. <coughs> early 2000s, aficionado was a big word, cigar was a little word. And I think that really took a lot of, that made a big, big change in the cigar industry. Do you see um, a lot of people smoking still or is it really dropped off? I have to tell you, great question. And only because I live it every day, um, it's constantly growing. And what I've done is I create, I've created, um, not a country club setting, but not only having a great atmosphere that I, I told you, it was in the, the, uh, the first floor of underground of our train station. I have our, we have our regular clients that need just a place to escape, not offend any non-smokers. And, and as I stated, we can only smoke after 2008. I, I made all the upstairs portion of the restaurant, the 16,000 square foot, all non-smoking and downstairs all smoking. So we created the best of both worlds. So what our goal was to make everybody happy, not mix the two, but keep everybody happy in two different areas. And we, in, in 2008, we began just marketing it, not just to the high-end after-dinner drinker or the after-dinner experience, to everybody. All, all three of us after this great show, going to have a cigar, have a little, have a little 
beer of choice on our, you know, big crafted beer list or a glass of our fantastic wine selection or a bourbon. And, you know, the brown spirits are hot right now. So oh, yeah. it's really it's really helped. One cigar will sell you two, three bourbons. So there you go. Check average building and in a comfortable setting where alike minds come together and have the liberty to not offend anyone and to enjoy. And so that's what that room has created. So to answer your question, it's exploded. It's and, and we've promoted it and we massage it. So we do a monthly cigar event, for instance, that we'll bring in a, a different supplier each month. And for only $15, give them a cigar of the day. A, a nice spread of heavy thirst from the Salvo station. And we bring a local liquor vendor, maybe Southern Wine and Spirits, to showcase one of their scotches or bourbons. And for $15, it's a, it's a, a break-even uh, uh, drawing card. But then you have open bar all night, and you generate some revenue, and you bring people together just to remember the Salvo station and what's going on. So That's we've cool. little, little by little worked that into the COVID situation right now. I know I teach a revenue management class. John teaches restaurant management and this, the whole idea of increasing check average. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make my students definitely listen this week. So John, you awesome. I, I want to be proud of FIU because we learned all those things and having the great instructors we had and it, it, it crossed our ears many times. And now I've chosen to apply all those good uh, learning uh, experiences to my business well, over 35 you years. Know, Fantastic. Uh, uh, D- Dean Angelo will be very proud of you. Yes, he will. He's, you tell him I said, oh, I love him. I see him he, in Chicago he, every year. He loves our show. So There you go. I, um, I lo- yeah, I, likewise, uh, Nathan and Joey and Jeremy, I, I, I like to hear the incremental revenue push. Whenever, you know, I teach, we always talk about someone in, you know, coming into your restaurant, whether it's at, at your restaurant for you know, some pasta, they're going to have that main item, but to get them to buy the extra glass of wine, the appetizers, the dessert, or in your case, maybe go down for uh, an after dinner bourbon and uh, cigar. I, I, I love that. And we, and, we even, you know. John, not to interrupt you, we even took it, gentlemen, to another level where we have our fine dining menu upstairs in our gourmet dining car. We have our general upscale menu throughout the rest of the body of the building but downstairs we have a casual fare menu but you can eat anything upstairs downstairs because there's something for everybody so whether it be a filet mignon or a rack of lamb from upstairs we you can dine at our tables downstairs and eat either a a a nice little bowl of risotto just on the fly or you can have a nice rack of lamb and we've given them the opportunity it's just the only difference is there's a smoky atmosphere or there's a non-smoking atmosphere that's genius yeah Great yeah. marketing. Yeah, love that. Um, you know, let's touch back. We are very big at the university, as you already know, of, of giving back. And we'd love to hear about your Taste of the Good Life of, of event and the success that you've had there uh, in giving back. Um, you know, how important do you think that is uh, and what responsibility do you think businesses have to give back, uh, whether it be through something like you're doing or, or something else? In my world, it's, it's at the top of the list. I mean, get, sharing is caring. And the more you give, the more God gives you back. At least that's the way I was raised. And it's worked out for us 
because basically what we're doing is being, bringing together birds of a feather at our Taste of Good Life event. And we do it biannually every six months, in addition to all the other charitable things we do for others throughout the year. But this is my baby event of 27 years biannually. And it didn't start out that way. It started out to be just an old, about 50 people, an old school boy of, uh, boys of uh, just men only at the time where we just got together to eat a gourmet dinner cooked by my father. And I was in the front of the house hosting it with uh, a couple cigars and some good drinks and some good wine. And then it evolved because it was private to, hey, why don't we do this and raise some money for charity? And it's grown into, we, we average 300 plus people every event at $150 a person, which is a gift if you knew what we did. I mean, from the whole station is set up in food stations uh, from racks of lamb, filet mignon, ice sculptions, clams, oysters, shrimp on a half shell. I mean, an array of DeSalvo's food, live entertainment. We have CBS radio there with a live broadcast, um, a cigar roller from your down in Southern Florida from Miami. And that's a big deal when you bring someone like that from Cuba, rolling cigars in Little Latrobe to put on a show. It just adds to the mystique of our food the cigars. Uh, we have a huge supplier, whether it be Monte Cristo or Sindicato cigars that come in. Everybody gets three cigars a person and all the drink, all the bourbons, all the wines, wines from my Good Life Wine and Spirits Importing Company, plus all the top uh, spirits company. And we they walk in circles and they can eat and drink as much as they want for three hours. The true value is about $300, but the promotion, it does not only giving and feeling good giving to the charity, but the marketing aspects twice a year. It's a shot of B12 for our business twice a year. It's just a great marketing tool. And it's, it, it, it's become an event-driven shot of B12 to, to Salvo Station. What, what time of year are you doing those two events? Well, unfortunately, speaking going back to COVID, it was both, both spring and fall of 2020 were canceled. Uh, it mm -hmm. takes six months in the making. I have a committee. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, and it's six months in the making. I would love to have all of you come and kick off, if God willing, the spring, spring of April of uh, 2021. It'll be our next event. And there's always a little piece of Joey DeSalvo in an event, whether it be my importing company, our food. It'd be great to have our alums from FIU come and support. We could do a live podcast from Taste the Good Life. <laughs> I think that we need awesome. Rocco to, uh, to do an um, alumni event for Taste of uh, La Trobe. That sounds awesome. Get, Let's go. Oh, I, think, oh, I think it's something yeah. that uh, God put us together today. I think it'd be, it gave me a great sure. idea to have you guys come up. It, well, we're thinking we're, ahead of the curve. We're, we're thinking ahead of the curve, Joey. If we're permitted. Well, yeah. we're, we're going to put you guys to work. You're not going to sit around too much. <laughs> oh, I thought I was paying 150 bucks and being able to walk around and eat and drink. You hey, Jeremy, did, you want. did you have your hand up? I thought I saw. No, I was celebrating. I was uh, cheering so Joey for all of his business models that he has, <laughs> all of his different uh, adventures. And I, I just think that's awesome. Um, you know, with all these things, um, going on. What do you do in the uh, industry, Joey, to keep yourself rele relevant and what's new and current in, in um, the restaurant industry? Well, I do a lot of, tra I did, I did a lot of traveling and I would, I have a second home with my family in Florida, not too far from you guys. Uh, my 
parents have a place in Palm Beach. I have a couple investments in Miami. I, I guess, uh, again, COVID, we're going to bring COVID back up. Prior to COVID, I mean, I was traveling constantly, um, constantly keeping uh, uh, educated, just going out with my wine importing business. It's really allowed me to go to a lot of other restaurants and competition, call it competition, to see what they're doing in the local Western Pennsylvania. But my travels usually take me um, uh, with wine to other places. So I pick up a lot of restaurant things or unique. You like to think you're picking up some restaurant knowledge or creative ideas. Um, but COVID really put a kibosh to that this year because none of us can travel. So I've slowed down. But I have to really say that between the restaurant association and the wine business, it takes me out and about to various different uh, other food and beverage operations where I see a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that I can cherry pick some great ideas if it comes to be that way or just pick up the phone and call great colleagues like yourselves across the country and more so internationally because i'm speaking to europe at least four or five times a day early in the morning um, to be you know and learn what they're doing and they went through the same covid stuff that we're doing and hopefully not a second wave of it again cool so um you said that you've got some other things going on down here in South Florida. Is there anything cool that we should keep our eyes open for? Or? No, other than just hanging out with some of the top colleagues I have that are great chefs. I mean, it's like you said, birds of a feather lock, uh, flock together or misery likes company. Well, we true. all kibitz about the pros, the cons of what our daily challenges are in general, let alone what COVID has done to us. So I have a lot of great colleagues in Florida, in Miami, South Florida, uh, really all across the country that um, uh, we pick each other's brain about, uh, you know, what's hot and not. And uh, I just had the pleasure, John, you know, our great friend, uh, uh, Mr. John Foltz, famous chef from New Orleans. Um, uh, he has the, John, uh, the Nickel State University, John Foltz Institute. Uh, but he's a colleague. He called me up. He says, hey, Joey, I need some cigars. Can you send them to me? I got to give someone a nice cigar. So we did what we had to do and take care of a friend, ship some cigars down to New Orleans. And he was telling me he was getting ready for the hurricane last week, but nothing touched him. Well, that's good. I'm glad nothing hit him. So a few weeks ago, we had on Kerm Matai from the Maikai. He's second generation general manager at the Maikai. So his dad was the GM for 30 years, and now he's been GM and also FIU alum. Um, but he was really talking about the challenges of keeping the tradition of a 60-year-old restaurant, but also keeping current because, you know, what sold in the 50s doesn't really translate to today. So how do you keep your landmark restaurant current without sacrificing the, the traditions that you have? Well, I have to tell you, uh, that's probably an everyday challenge that we constantly try to keep ahead of the curve, or at least I do. I want to be cutting edge uh, consistently and ahead of everybody else. I think demographically speaking, it has a lot to do with it. Western Pennsylvania is about 10 years behind of most other places. So even if I'm in the, the current elsewhere, I'm still 10 years ahead here. But having a historic landmark train station, there's really not much I can do. People come. That's the drawing card to come for this historic landmark. And just our front entrance, we have a 150-foot tunnel that goes right underneath the train tracks. 
that trains go by constantly, whether it be Norfolk Southern or uh, Amtrak. So uh, the historic standpoint of the physical plant um, remains the same. But internally, with me and my management team and my culinary team, we try to keep fresh. And with all the things we talked about before, traveling, going around, trying to, whether it be food, whether it be wine through my importing company, trying to introduce some new items, uh, such as last week came in a wonderful new wine to our portfolio called the Pinot Grigio Ramato, which is a rosé looking Pinot Grigio. But as I learned, it was one, it's the way the original Pinot Grigio was. It was a maturation process, keeping the skins on, making it lightly pink, but we know Pinot Grigio is white. So it was a copper color. Ramato means copper. So we just introduced the Pinot Grigio Ramato. It's a hand sell, but at least you could tell a story behind it or one of our great wines from Abruzzo, a white wine, a Pecorino, which is a white wine indigenous to Abruzzo. It was the grapes that the sheep ate in the side of the road, Pecorino cheese, Pecorino wine. So we try to come up and share the story of various blessings that I have with the, the companies I represent or a new hot cigar that's coming into the market that we introduce in Joey D. Sala de Fumo. So we're always trying to be that place. We are a destination place in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. It, again, 16,000 square foot in a 6,000 person town. So we draw from an hour away and we always, that's part of our shtick to be ahead of the curve because I'm a great alum of FIU. <laughs> I'm going to start awesome. calling you the Gene Simmons of Western Pennsylvania. We, we, now don't give me, I don't got sugar in the tank. We, 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 love, the, we love the stories. There you the go. stories the are stories phenomenal. Are it's easy to share. Uh, sharing is caring, as we said. I have one more question for you, Joey. Um, I've been doing my research on you, and I noticed that you had a very uh, a ton of awards and um, over the years. I was just curious, out of all those awards personally, which is uh, the biggest award that you're the most proud of for you? Um, uh, that's a great question. <clears throat> I never looked at it that way because I was always an overachiever. I wanted to be the best, and I did it because I wanted to honor my mother and father for they never had the opportunity when they started in 1969, my father, my uncle, my mother, they were like the mule with the blinders on with their head down, just digging and putting food on the table for their family and trying to build an iconic re reputation as they did. And I think that <clears throat> the awards are, are, are thank yous to um, uh, the things we've done well, but I think that uh, it's just the, uh, the, uh, there's not one that sticks out, but I'd have to say that um, a lot of the things we do and probably not the award, but maybe the good life event that's been, I said, my baby event, um, bringing people together that all believe the same, the love to eat, the love to drink, um, the love to smoke or whatever, and bring them together to celebrate and giving back to a possible local charity and making a difference. That's probably the biggest thing that I can say it hits my heart or, or satisfies me greatly. Cheers. What a great answer. That would be amazing. I will have to say of all of our uh, guests, this is the most animated we've been and I'm, I'm having a, a blast. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, I hope that we can come back next week or the week after that. And we'll talk about different segments of what we do just to have fun. Because we like to share good stuff. I just I want to eat and drink with you and have a cigar. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's real. I don't really want. It, it, you know, on a, on a, on a personal note, uh, for 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 me, you know, as a Joey mentioned, he's two years older than me, right? And so three years. 
Well, three years. Okay. So yeah, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. You know, I was a, a shy kid when I went to culinary school and Joey, uh, certainly brought me a little bit more out of my shell than ever I ever was. So that's cool. Thank you. You know what it is? You know what it is? And I'm glad you said that. That is true. We were all shy. I was homesick. Remember I I threw that in there. I was homesick. I'll embellish that. I remember going to the, to the pay phones. We didn't even have cell phones then. I mean, I feel like I'm 19, I'm 1903, but it was only in 1983 to 85 that I'd walked on the dormitory hallways of, uh, the CIA and a little, you know, Poughkeepsie on the Hudson River. And you, I, I would go to the payphone to call my grandmother. I, I would get choked up and cry on the phone. I was afraid. To uh. me. But it, it's, <laughs> wow. it's just, John, the biggest thing is, and it leads into who I am today. I think my biggest asset, in addition to my family, is my network. And now having you, you two gentlemen that I just met into my network, and we help each other moving forward, because you can pick up the phone, you have my number, and if there's a subject that we don't know, we'll figure it out. But the subjects we know, we'll, we'll at least be able to partake and share knowledge and experience, and whether we eat it, drink it, or taste it. But I think that networking and i think i remember taking johnny we i was very shy too or or not shy i was reserved and um at the time when i was 18 and uh we introduced johnny to a couple older friends of ours and that was networking (laughs) people to bring us out of our shell there you go exactly that sounds like a story that is not pg rated so we will no we won't be sharing any any stories (laughs) any of those stories right now i was g-rated then but it got triple x later oh there you go so moving on jeremy uh, closing (laughs) thoughts before we uh we end this thing I was just going to say that it's been a pleasure. Your enthusiasm is definitely um, shown here in our conversation. And I think your passion for this business is exactly what um, we thought going into this conversation it would be. So thank you from our heart and FIU's family. And um, you make us very proud. Well, I, I feel I'm part of you guys. So we're all, I, I can't tell you how much I, I waved the flag of both my fine institutions and I'm proud because pound for pound I'll go against anyone and we can drive the Panthers to the victory <laughs> Johnny Boy closing remarks no I will I will thank Joey so much for, for coming on and, and being an awesome guest and representation of our, our chaplain school I will uh, remind everybody that next month uh, we're starting to put plans together for the chaplain school's takeover of the FIU school food pantry. Mm-hmm. So every month, different schools within the, the full university of FIU assume responsibility for both fundraising and, and getting donations and, and what more appropriate time than, than Thanksgiving. So, uh, look for that information, uh, both whether you're a student or or one of our our listeners and we would welcome your support yeah we'll put up some information up on the show notes about how you can you too can donate to the university for our food pantry um it's an amazing number i think it's uh 30% of our students at one point or another during the semester do have food insecurity. So if we can really keep that number lower, we'd really appreciate it. Um, I want to thank Joey. I want to thank our guest co-host, Jeremy, for coming in today. Also, Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome as usual. 
everyone remember please drink responsibly and um we'll see you guys next week all right have a good one bye have a good one stay safe hope to see everybody soon salute and god bless god bless thank you god bless all right